welcome to The Atypical Leader with Rick Brennan, where we talk about harnessing what makes you unique and maybe even a little odd, while at the same time dismantling the notion that you have to be a certain type of person or act a certain way to be an effective leader. Definitely a leader, not a follower. I like the sound of this. It's time for us atypical leaders to come out of the shadows and learn to be proud and confident in what makes us different. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am. Atypical leader starts now. Hello, Judy Sims. Hello, Mr. Brennan. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Very well? Yeah, yeah, life is good. Life has been very good. Has it? Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying myself. Good. Summertime. So, uh, yeah, so it was nice visiting you here in Calgary. I'm soon heading back to Atlantic Canada, and then from there I'm heading back to Costa Rica. Nice. Are you looking forward to getting back to Haco? Well, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to my routine. Right. Right. You know, it's great to visit and all that sort of stuff. But I was a bit of a nomad this summer, running here, running there. Yeah, you've been all over the place, all haven't over. you? And today, we are focusing on your strengths and only looking to neutralize your weakness. There's so many books out there that talk about turning your weaknesses into strengths. That's how you find success and how you become a successful executive. And maybe it is if you were trying to compete with a typical executive, but we're atypical. We can never lose sight of that. You're absolutely right. We really need to, you know, we think about things differently. Our brain works differently. There's just things we're not good at. And the idea of turning some of my weaknesses into strengths, well, is frankly just silly. I believe the secret to the atypical success is there's two parts. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Part one is to neutralize your weaknesses. Don't let them bring you down. Right. You know what I mean? Don't let them be the reason why you don't advance in a company or on a personal note. Don't let them be the stress and anxiety that's always surrounding you. But the idea that you can turn certain neurological weaknesses, if you want to call mm-hmm. them, just yeah, so we understand course, yeah. each other, into strengths, is, is just foolishness. And why would you say that? Well, if I look back at my life, let's take me. We talk okay. about this a lot. I'm not a good speller. I'm not a good writer, reader. Math confuses me. The idea that I could turn them into my strengths, well, come on. Yeah, I would that'd be tough. It'd be, it's, well, it's, it's impossible, and the amount of effort that would go into doing that if it's even possible mm-hmm. doesn't just doesn't it, you know it's not worthwhile right right but you do need those skills in business right right and you know undoubtedly i mean if you're going to be a, be a top-notch executive i guess you need to read and write yeah right exactly but do you have to be the best reader do no you have to be the best writer see that's kind of the point you know you don't want them to hold you back you don't want to be embarrassed by them you know i had to get them to sort of average capability it's all about dealing rea- with reality. And if I look back, you know, I love some examples. I look back at, ex- at university experience. So, you know, I was a poor student. I struggled with through the years, and I even cheated to get my degree. <laughs> Having that degree has done a ton for me over the years. Oh, I'm sure, okay, yeah. Okay, and now you people might disagree how, how I got that degree and whatever, but the fact that I had it, 
did a lot to allow me to apply for jobs. That's right. It had nothing to do with my ability to do the job, but it allowed me to apply for jobs. Right. And that's the sad reality, right? I've seen so many talented people get passed over for promotions because they don't have that university degree. Um, I, there, I agree with you. I think it's totally foolish. As you know, this is another real pet peeve of mine. You need to have a degree to to be good at your job. It just drives me crazy. I know people that you know have have a degree in zoology, let's say, and it's got nothing to do with their job. Well, let's be clear. I don't think yeah. anyone says you need a degree to be good at your job. You need it to apply for the job. Okay. Then why do we need it if it doesn't have anything to do with your job? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. And to be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of university. I loved university. I had a great time. And not that I learned a lot of academic skills. I think I learned a lot about myself. You know? mm -hmm. So I have value. However, I say that. It doesn't, still doesn't mean that I think it should be the determining factor right. in anybody getting a job. Right. It's silly how much importance has been placed on it. You know, I have a couple examples I can use. You know, when I was interviewing Shirley, who was my director of the integrated supply chain model that we've talked about a few times, mm -hmm. she was coming from government. And, you know, when we're in the interview process, she says, Rick, I, I, I just feel like I need to make you absolutely aware. You know I don't have an NBA. You know, I'm saying, uh, yeah, okay, like, why would I care? She right. said, well, I got to tell you, I could not get this level of job in government unless I had an NBA. Ah, right. Regardless of my talent, regardless of how anybody would think of the type of job I could do, too bad, doesn't matter. Wow. I said, yeah. Jesus, that's crazy. Well, yeah. I said, don't worry about it because the last <laughs> thing I'm looking for is an MBA to clog things up around. No, you here. just want someone that can do the job that you're hiring them for. Right. And yeah. I had another example which blew me away, too. I'm, a friend of mine was on the phone. He works for government. And he was talking to another person who works for government who was looking maybe to apply for a big job. Okay. You know, really technical job and, and and as my friend would tell me he was very very qualified maybe they're one of the smartest guys he knew but in their conversation they were on the phone he said but you can't apply because you don't you don't speak french you don't have your certificate mm -hmm. and when he got off the phone i said sir are you telling me this guy is so qualified and small so smart can't apply for a job that you all know he would blow out of the park no needs french you know, uh -huh. and that's, I mean, thinking, I, and then the way I explain it, so you're telling me, let me say I have a job in physics. Right. And Einstein applies. <laughs> Let's just assume. Yeah. Einstein applies for the job, but he only speaks German. Nope, sorry. And, and, and the best is he's only got a grade five education, he's I think. Got, you know, grade five <laughs> that's education. hilarious. But the point is that regardless of your knowledge, capability, we bypass people because uh, they don't have a certain qualification. Right. Now, I can, I can agree that that in times is important, but uh, most of the time it's not. It's time for HR and companies to you know, look around them and see that the world's changing. People don't take into consideration that a lot of people might not be book smart, you know, university smart, but they are what I call street smarts, which can be just as valuable as a degree. They're using, they're bringing a dimension to the job that someone who's been in school for years can't. Well, remember, we're you know? coming from the typical world and the way people typically yeah. think, right? Yeah. And, and I get that we're in a transition, but it's important that we make that transition. Exactly. You know, I've, I've, I've just known people that I've worked with. And even when I left my job, I would have said, These, this should be my replacement. I know they were rejected because they didn't have a degree. 
Right. And they were yeah. very, very, very capable. Right. You know. Yeah. So I agree with you. It's a little silly. And, and as we move into this new world of neurodiversity and, and atypicals and how we think, and there's probably going to be a lot of us that don't have those sort of credentials mm-hmm. that other people may have because that's just the way the world's been built. Right. Yeah. And we got to get over that. We do. So... I understand that, you know, you neutralize that potential roadblock by getting a degree. But how did you get around the weakness like reading and writing? Well, I always talk about how I've gone and I found help. Well, that was critical. So, you know, I always managed to find great executive assistants. People who got me, could help me, could make me sound like a silver-tongued devil. Creating time was especially important for me because... I needed extra time to get things done. Right. So, I, I, I mean, it's so part of this whole organization thing and being mm-hmm. efficient. I eliminated things that had no value. Right. And not, it wasn't so much the eliminating, it was that eliminating of those tasks created time. That gave me time to take the extra time to look at emails, to look at correspondence, to understand whatever may be coming across my desk. Right. I was, listen, <clears throat> nobody's shorter and sweeter than me. A lot of times... Rick, blah, 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 what do you think of this? Yeah, sounds good. Oh, yes, I've gotten those emails yes. from you. Yep. What do you think? Yes, no. <laughs> Great. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, I like that. The okay is a good one. Right, okay. but that's what I, yeah, yeah that's yeah. why I operated. Yeah. And all of those things, you know, quick to the point, they didn't have to get into long dialogues, they didn't have to get into long emails, all those sort of things. So I structured my, the way I did things around mm-hmm. what matched my capability. So, oh, and I might add one other one. What, what was that? I can delegate the shit out of stuff. Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you, know, you can. I found good people, mm-hmm. I motivated them, mm-hmm. and I delegated to them. Right. So they right. did the heavy lifting, so to speak. Right. And I put me in a position to do what I was good at. Right. What I'm hearing is that you must come to terms with who you are and what you are good at. Right. You've got to find that. If you want to be successful as an atypical, you need to ride the winds of your talents and know that expanding that talent is going to be the key to your success. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here, part two of finding success as an atypical. Turn your strengths into greater strengths. Makes sense. Bottom line, if you're good at it, get better at it. Okay. Advance yourself. If you're good with people, get better. Right. If you're organized, take it to another level. If you know that a certain approach works for you, cling to it like your life depends on it. It was clear to me right from the start of my career that being organized would be key to my success. Right. It seemed give me structure, to give my brain structure, to give my brain like a system to work with, that I could, you know, I could take those steps. Mm-hmm. It was very organized in my mind. The more I got organized, the better my results. And I would expand my system to where eventually I'd come up with the done is perfect philosophy. So I started off rough, figuring it out, saying, oh, this works and this works. So right. I continue to do that. I, I formalized that process. And I formalized it to help me, but it also helped my teams get into a, a philosophy of how, what organization means. Right. Which would be very important, I'm sure. You know, because you do talk about organization a lot. And you say, like you, like you just said, it's right from the start of the career. It would be, you knew it would be the key to your success. Right. You know, right. you always come back. Organization, organize, organize, organize. Well, we've talked. I believe yeah, that's that 50% of leadership yeah. is just being organized. Exactly. Which brings yeah. up the million dollar question. What's 
that really mean? Right. Because what, what does it mean? What one person considers organized, another person would say that's not organized enough, or other person would say that's crazy, can't do all that. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So defining organization, I guess, is really balance. It's the balance between control and not too much control. Appropriate analysis or analysis paralysis. Between fun and hard work, simplicity and complexity, between trust and respect, it just goes on and on and on. But it's finding that balance that works for you and your brain Mm -hmm. and for your teams. Because what, I mean, complexity is a big thing. I mean, mean, all kinds, you know, the natural thing for a typical executive is to rely on analysis, spreadsheets, steering committees, all those type of things. And they do have value in certain situations. But knowing when to... Cut it off, knowing when that's enough of that. Right. Bringing it down. You better look in the eyes of your employees and say they got it. You know, or, I mean, come on. You can sit in meetings. Or, I mean, most executives are so focused on their own point of view right. that they don't notice. They can't see the body language. And I've been many meetings and we go through analysis and all this stuff. And you can look at people's eyes and say, nobody got anything. No, they're just glazed over. They're just glazed yeah. over. So the point is understanding how it works for you and your team. And making sure that everybody walks out with a clear understanding of what they need to do, what their next steps are, and how, how for you and your team to follow up on those things. How did you find that balance uh, with people pressuring you to do it their way? So you've got your way, and then you've got the company or the executive's way. And oh, the typical executive. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, now, I felt that pressure all the time. Mm. The, all the time to compromise, to their way of thinking, their approach to dealing with issues, solving problems, and so on and so forth. But I knew if I went on their bandwagon, if I did it their way, like we talked many times, mm-hmm. that would nullify my my skills. Right. So I don't think like that. I knew if I do it their way, I would destroy the trust and respect I have with my teams. So I worked hard at finding a balance between what I wanted to do and what my other executive counterparts or my boss thought I should do. Okay, so... And it's a bit of a tap dance at times. I can imagine, yeah. I'm protecting my strength, knowing that if I give them up, I lose. Right. I would often feel the pressure to compromise my value and my approach for the good of company, they tell me. But I knew if I did it, that I would destroy the trust and respect I had developed with my team. So I found a way to balance executive expectations without compromising my team or philosophy. I was protecting my strengths, knowing that the minute I compromised my approach, that would be the minute I would nullify my abilities and kill the power of my atypicalness. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Give me an example. You mean atypicalness, my new word I've invented? No, no, I know what that is, but it's a lovely word. I've actually put it into my dictionary when I'm typing now, so it doesn't show that it's spelled wrong. Was it always this way? I could go on forever how my stubbornness powered my success, yeah. Yeah. how I refused to compromise. I had it in my head I was right, and I didn't give a shit what anyone else thought. You know, that's how I started out. That was okay. the first of my career. Well, yeah. <laughs> went on for quite a while. Yeah, because, you were young. <laughs> but not because I thought I was smarter or wiser, but because my solutions and my point of view matched the way that my brain worked. Right. And my unique approach kind of solidified yeah. all yeah. that. My under, my team understood my approach. They got where I was coming from. Now, if I had to do it all over again, I would definitely do it differently. Express myself in a more appropriate and mature manner. Now, uh-huh. that's what my brain tells me yeah. I would do. Right. But I often think about that, and I don't know that <laughs> the other pieces of me would allow me to do that. Right. Because I would yeah. still have been that guy with that anxiety, with that 
struggling to get this and that done, and who knows? And who knows what you would blur out of your mouth? But I do see the value. And if I was giving, you know, advice to anybody, I think that we can all deal with things in a mature and appropriate manner. Right. It doesn't nullify anything. Right. Yeah. But as my career would advance, I'd learn to become more politically savvy. You know, not always showing my cards. You know, I'd make sure that the boss was aware what I was doing, really to to get to them before other executives could go in complaining about what I was doing, that sort of stuff. So I just became more company smart, if you want to call it Right, right. You wrote the narrative. Yeah, I tried to write the narrative for myself. Right, yeah. 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 I tried to do that, yeah. Yeah, instead of somebody else doing it for you. But there's, I mean, there's all kinds of examples, I guess, of that. I mean, one we've already talked about was the hiring of Sean, and, you know, well, we want to bring young people into the company and do all that sort of stuff, but then all the rules tell you you can't. Right. As time went on, I did learn to deal with things in a better way. Right. And I can give one example. I mean, we're part, part of my the business I ran came. We we're in our own kind of building, mm-hmm. and because of that, we were able to, you know, develop our own culture. You can imagine right. there's no one out there influencing us. We could have things on the wall, do what we want, have a little get together we wanted, and we'd just be our group, and and we'd get that feeling of you know that we were one team. Right. In other buildings, it was multiple businesses. Oh, okay. And those businesses, because of space restrictions and all that sort of stuff, would, would mingle together. And it would really be that company as a whole culture as opposed to that defined business unit culture. Right. Okay. And our, i got to appreciate that. I mean, five years before this, the company I was in didn't operate retail. Mm-hmm. So it was important that I thought that from a, a retail point of view that we did have our own culture. We weren't distribution. We were retail. It's a whole different concept. So anyways, you know, but at the company from up above, from the, from the corporate gurus decided that we should merge all into one building, everybody. And that I wasn't in favor of. I mean, I knew it would kill our culture. Right. You know, it would, yeah. take, it would be a step backwards. But I knew that there was no way I could win that battle. Okay. You know, so I, in the past, I might have fight and argued and even sucked a little that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But by then, I just realized that you can't fight City Hall on some things. You need to move forward and let it go. Okay. So I expressed that I didn't agree. Okay. But then I let it roll. Because what are you going to do? Right. Sometimes you can't win the battle. And the important thing with all of that is that if you fight every battle, you can't win the ones that matter. And I've seen that, and I've even, and I must say, I've got that advice from some bosses I've had saying, you know, where I be, God damn it, this is wrong, blah, blah, blah. And they'd explain, yeah, I agree with you, Rick, but there's some bigger decisions coming down the pipeline. So do you want to win this one or do you want to win those ones? Right. You can't win them all. Right. Yeah. You know, so you've got to be smart about this. Right. And when I was younger, I wasn't smart enough to get right. that. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really so interesting. the problem with doing when you fight for them all, you lose credibility, right? Right. Yeah. There's Rick fighting again, fighting again, fighting again, fighting <laughs> yeah, it's again. It's like calling wolves. people down. And, you know. Yeah, and they just don't listen anymore. And they just don't listen Yeah, they anymore. don't hear you at all. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You have to realize how important that is. And I guess, I don't know, I, I'm thinking of, you know, starting out young on your career. You know, you might not know exactly what those are. That your strengths are? A hundred percent. Yeah. You're kind of just... Winging it. Yeah, by the seat of your pants, well, aren't you? Well, let's face it, yeah. even, even at the end of my career. Right. I mean, we know that the process of me writing this book really unveiled to me my strengths and my mm-hmm. weaknesses. It unve- unveiled my neuro- neurological issues, my atypicalness and my strength. So it's always a learning process. Right, 
Right. You know? I, it just amazes me that how you did it almost like naturally. I know there was struggles and I know that you, you know, you grew with it, but it just seemed innate to you that these are the things that would take you ahead. Yes, you're right. But not take me ahead as far as a career. Take me ahead as I needed to accomplish this goal. And those are the things that would allow me to accomplish that goal. And my career was built on all of those things, all of the goals that are yes. that people saw that repetition of success. You know, you have to be able to challenge the status quo. You have to right. be able to stick up for your own point of view if you're really going to deliver on your atypicalness. Right. And sometimes that means challenging the boss, Rocking challenging the your colleagues, standing right. your ground. And you were mentioning, yeah, but not everybody can do that. No, no, they're afraid of getting fired. Right. You know, they're they're like, well, I can't go in and say that. I can't do that. I can't stand up and say that because they could fire me. I need right. this job. Right. I don't. I don't want to get fired. I like this job, or yeah, whatever the I case may more, be. It's deeper. I think when we yeah. were talking earlier, it wasn't yeah. just I need it to like I need to eat. Just didn't have the gumption. They to didn't do have that. the gumption to do it. They were afraid to do it. Right. And I think that one thing that we've got to help people in this podcast is to find that gumption. Right. And that doesn't, that's baby stuff. But stop with the, I can't. Yes, you can. You chose not to. You can do anything you want to do. Yes. You can come out and you can take baby steps to being more proactive, to being more assertive. Now, listen. I don't expect that someone who sits in the corner and never speaks comes out the next day and says, oh, I want to talk this. And I'm, no, we're not talking <laughs> no, that sort we're of not. stuff. No. We're talking baby steps going right. in the right direction. And to sit back and say, well, I just don't do that. Or come on, well, start to do it. Take I know, responsibility. But there's some people that just can't do it. And I, but you know what? I guess those are the people that will never be leaders. I guess. That, oh, no, that's right? for sure. But I there's still, always I people still buy that... when you go into, well, people can't. What, why? Why can't you? It's just their makeup. It's just the way they feel, the way they that's all, look that's at the all world. Mindset. That's all. All sorts of things. That's to change it. You make it sound so easy, though. It's not to, I'm not saying it's easy at all. But I can tell you, sitting there and say, "Poor little me, I can't do it." It's just bullshit. Yes, yeah. you can. Yeah. Well, yes, you can. Well, you can try to do it. It may not always <laughs> work, always, well, but you can always I can try. Guarantee you, the first. Ten times you tried, it won't work. Right, but if that's you, the whole point, you keep after it. Right. Baby steps, moving in that direction. Don't get discouraged because you failed. I, Christ, I've got a career full of failure. Right, but it right. ends up to drive success. People make mistakes. People don't approach things in the right way, and that's got to be okay. You've got to define in your mind what your strengths are. Exactly. You've got to then approach whatever situation, no matter how much you're uncomfortable with it, using those sense and propelling yourself forward. That's the way it's got to be. Or you're, you're standing still. You are. You are. And I, I, I agree with you. I just... And go listen to a podcast on true crimes. <laughs> but no, but really. No, it's true. I mean, that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to bolster them and tell them that they can do it and that they need to do it. Be proud of it. But it takes a long time. And some people, I don't know if we'll ever get there, Rick. I really Listen, don't. Well, 100% of the people, no. But no. that's not what we're here to tell. We're telling you that any individual can. Right. Listen, I could sit here. Now that I've written this book and I really understand my neurological conditions and how many of them I have. Right. I could easily sit here at my age and say, see, I really couldn't have done it. I had, Look at all the issues I have. But you did it. Huh. That's the point, Judy. I could Thank have you. justified it, though. I could sit here today. Oh, if you hadn't saying, done all those things. Here's my list ah, of gotcha. all my learned. Yeah. See, 
That's yeah. why I wasn't successful. Gotcha. But right. that's what we're bringing across as well. It's fuck that. Well, yes. I don't care what I can't do. I'm focused on what I can do. And it's, if you want to get ahead, grab the bull by the horns. And go for it. the gate. Right. Baby steps. Little tiny baby steps. Honest to God. Come on. <laughs> carry yourself. I don't buy this. You can't I know. do it at all. Well. You've got to move forward. You've got to have that thought in your head that every day I'm taking another step forward. And I can I'm do mastering it. mastering my strengths and I can do it. I can do it. So. Put it up on your mirror, you people. Get focused on your strengths. Right. Neutralize your weaknesses. Right. And be all you can be. Woo. That's a good one. Okay. I like that one. Well, it was nice arguing with you again today. Jim. Yeah. I miss this. This is fun. Okay. Cool. You know, we always have to behave when we have uh, guests on as much fun as they are. But we can. Okay. <laughs> right. Thanks for joining us today and listening to another episode of The Atypical Leader. If you haven't already done so, like, share, and follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. By liking and sharing, you will help other atypicals find all of us. So we can all start to leverage the stories, strategies, and strengths of what make us all unique. Keep listening and remember, take charge and push away those self-doubts. Leverage what we're talking about. Be confident in who you are and proud of what makes you unique. So join me, Rick Brennan, and my co-host, Judy Sims, on the next episode of The Atypical Leader. To learn more about us, leadership, and neurodiversity, please go to our website, atypicalleader.com. Thanks for listening. Let's do it again next week.